0: Welcome back to the Resonate Podcast. We hope you have had a good summer and are enjoying wrapping up a bit warmer. My name is Emily McGrath. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Resonate Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Resonate Bristol team, associated with St Stephen's and Holy Trinity Hotwell's churches. Welcome. We have decided to continue with our monthly podcast for the foreseeable future and we'll link each month to a live event or on Zoom. Details can be found on our Twitter and Facebook pages. In October, we are looking at race and our churches. Our guest today, a great friend of mine, has generously agreed to have a conversation with me discussing the intersection of race and religion and to share her experiences. The questions I've asked therefore focus on those areas. We aim to cultivate an open-minded space where we can explore ideas and experience, and perhaps where we can think differently, listen, learn and even be prepared to change our minds who are you as a person? Brief introduction.
1: Hi Emily, yeah thanks for having me on your podcast. I think it's great that you're raising this topic and um, my name is George. Um, I am a, I guess, a young-ish professional. <laughs> um, I'm Anglo-Caribbean, so um, I have a, a black Jamaican father and a white uh, British mother. Um, I was born in Kent, uh, South East England, and um, yeah, I'm a god mom. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a niece. I'm working class, uh, I'm a friend, I'm a colleague because I, I work and yeah, I, is, that, is that enough? <laughs> Thanks, I, I, like, I like all those depictions
0: of yourself, they're all um, important parts of you. And, and if we just hone in a little bit on the, what are the parts of your identity which relate to race and what do you think those things give to you?
1: Well I guess when people meet me they'll see... That I'm not white, so um, I'm mixed race. Um, because of my Anglo Caribbean heritage, um, I guess people also notice that my hair is different. Um, my godson once actually said to me, "Auntie George, why is your hair always a mess?" To which his mum was like, "You know, oi, don't say that to your auntie." but um yeah so my hair is not straight it's like curly and quite uncontrolled a lot of the time I suppose like I'd love to say like well I have a dual identity um because I was born in this country but also my dad is Jamaican um so I I guess I I feel like I'm quite an open-minded person, but I don't think that comes as standard. If you have a dual identity, um, I feel like that's to do with my upbringing and the values that my parents have instilled in me and also opportunity. So I am working class, but I was fortunate to have a couple of jobs through our A-levels and undergrad and a gap year to work and save up for university. So I think even that experience has helped to shape how I see the world. Yeah, I'm always interested to find out about other people and their cultures as a result. And I guess like, if I look at my friendship group, um, it's quite varied. Um, So I believe in in God, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, um, and I have Christian friends or friends who identify as Christian, but I also have Sikh friends, Muslim friends, Hindu friends, um, friends of some faith, friends of different faiths, friends of no faith yeah from a variety of places and cultures so yeah. Um, and then
0: uh, I've got a variety of questions that we're going to go through full disclosure is that some of them I, I took from a book by Azaria France-Williams which is called Ghost Ship um, oh. and that's been written recently come out this summer and that looks at institutional racism and the Church of England and um, mm-hmm. which has been I'm about halfway through that book and it's been shaping some of my Think my thinking around the church specifically the Church of England and race so a few of the questions I've kind of pulled out of that and then a yeah. few of the questions I've come up with um, myself and also um, with my sister we talked a little bit about this um, so yeah I'm just going to go we're going to go through them now and uh, we'll see some of them we we may not get to and others of them we may answer or spin us off in a different direction to start with What are some of your earliest memories and encounters thinking about ethnicity or race? So it might be your own encounters or or those around you.
1: Um, Yeah, I do remember at primary school, I think I was maybe about seven. I really started to recognise that I was different to everyone else in the class. Um, My hair was different. My skin colour was different. Yeah. So I think. That was the first time that I kind of realised and started to think about it. Um, I think when I was a teenager, I'd get comments like, go home, um, you know, racist comments like that, which initially I would meet with silence. But as I grew in confidence, I would gently challenge and say, actually, I was born in Kent, so I'm in Kent. So when you say go home, what exactly do you mean? Which usually would just stump them. Um, I got a similar thing actually once when I lived in South East London. I was on my way to church early one Sunday morning with my housemate at the time. And this guy was walking towards us in New Cross. And I could just tell from the look on his face that he wasn't, it, it was going to be a hostile encounter. And so I got in there first and I just said, good morning in a really chirpy upbeat voice. And he went, oh, it's English, I wasn't expecting it to be English out of your mouth. And I went, well, I was born in Kent, which is in this country, so English is actually the only language I fluently speak. Have a great day! And he was just, his voice, his face was just completely stunned. And my housemate at the time was like, what just happened? And I was like, this happens from time to time, and that's how I deal with it. In terms of in
0: church, are there any things that you can remember around again ethnicity or race that you've experienced
1: i think like the church that i grew up in when i look back when i was a child we were the diversity so me my brother my little sister and my dad but i don't ever remember feeling uncomfortable like whether i was off with the children in sunday school or in the actual main church um i always remember feeling welcomed and loved and it didn't ever bother me I think as I've grown like into adulthood I have become more aware of it like going away to university and the first church that I tried out in my university town there wasn't anyone that was like me and um, I didn't actually end up settling in that church Um, I went for a couple of months but then ended up finding a different church um, and actually it was a church where there was a bit more representation, a bit more diversity. So that, I think it was that and also that they were like quite outward and community focused that attracted me to stay in the church that I ended up settling in.
0: I guess that, that leads on perhaps really nicely to the idea of representation. You've talked there about representation physically, seeing the people around you do you feel represented in church and that that may be different in different churches because you've been part of different communities but in terms of not only the people but the language that's used the images that's that are used the imagery um, and perhaps the leadership as well how, how do you feel about that
1: yeah I guess like the imagery that's used sorry I'm going to kind of skip back to it touches on one of the earlier questions I remember like doing nativity at school and always wanting um, to have a main part and I wasn't ever picked for a main part and the the child that was picked to play Joseph was blonde and the child that was picked to play Mary was blonde and I was I just was it was only when I got older that I kind of like learned a bit more about the actual historic facts (laughs) and thought oh maybe I could have had a place in activities at school but um yeah, and I guess like that carries on in a lot of the imagery that you see in churches, well, that I see in churches even as an adult. There's something skewed about what's portrayed compared to the reality of what it would have been like. How, how, does, that, how does that make you
0: feel when you're engaging? I mean, you talked about that idea of being a child and not being able to be part of the nativity. But if our churches are not full of imagery that represents you yeah how do you how do you feel about that how do you engage with that in a a week-to-week basis
1: I guess my relationship with church has really changed as I've grown in faith and also in the years on this earth um so for me I guess I I go because I have a relationship with God and 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 that has grown and evolved over the years so it would be nice to see more representation and it would be nice to see those things. But I also accept that the church is part of the world and the world is flawed um, and fallen. So um, while it's great that things like this podcast are happening and the Black Lives Matter um, campaign is, is taking speed and people are starting to have these conversations. I don't expect anything to change overnight. And I think for me, Again, it depends on the church community that I found myself in. Um, Some churches are really keen to make sure that they are attracting a diverse congregation. Um, And then that then impacts the culture of that church. If there is representation from different communities, it impacts the people that you see doing the readings or the people that you see welcoming worshippers on a Sunday morning. So... And other churches, it doesn't seem to be top of their agenda, which is concerning. Do you think they
0: they feed into each other? Because it's almost like a chicken and egg idea there. Do you make your priority diversity and then that impacts how you change the imagery or the leadership? Or do you make those things? you know do you is that how you make it your priority by saying we've got to have more representation in those other things and that makes our community more welcoming for people and for diversity to happen?
1: Yeah I think so I think like churches have to be more outward focused in order to reach the people in their community in order to diversify their congregation which then will feed into all elements of the church then once you've got a diverse group of people helping to build church and, and make church happen whether it's on a Sunday or whether it's the events that you're doing during the week that diversity is going to then thread through all elements of church but I also think like we also need to be realistic some communities in the UK just aren't diverse so churches might want to reach out to a to their community to attract people from different cultures and races but actually the people surrounding their church aren't diverse because of the geographic location but certainly some places like Brighton and places like London and Bristol for example are very diverse. Then that's
0: maybe an opportunity for churches to engage with diversity in other ways like as you say just historical accuracy of the nativity would be a starting point. Um, (laughs) but but like to talk about to talk about race in the bible which is which is there because the peoples that we're talking about come from a range of race so if you don't have that diversity to attract perhaps perhaps there's a way of engaging around issues of race of diversity in other ways within your community and building that you know diversity of ideas of thought which might at least reverberate outside from those communities yeah Yeah,
1: absolutely and I also think that there can be an element of fear around reaching out to someone who's different to you in some way but I guess I think it, it isn't as complex as people feel that they need to make it so I'll give you an example if I had a pound for every time someone had said to me where are you from and I'd answered oh I was actually born in Kent And then they go, no, but where are you from? I'd be rich. So (laughs) the thing is, is that if you were meeting someone else who was white and you said to them, where are you from? And they told you, you would leave it at that. (laughs) So it, it doesn't have to be as complicated as people make it. Just treat people as you would like to be treated and be guided the individuals that you're meeting because everyone's experience is different everyone's lived experience is different
0: can you can you recall any painful comments or conversations that you've had with white christians about race or ethnicity
1: i was thinking about this question because i feel like race is the example that i'm going to give actually relates to my economic status which is linked very much to race in so many ways so if you are from an underrepresented group of any kind all of the impacts of inequality are compounded and I remember being in quite a wealthy church in London and when I was there studying and two people in my home group couldn't understand why I was still in rented accommodation Uh, they would just they just couldn't understand they said why haven't you bought buying still feels so out of reach for me and they just couldn't understand it and I, I just think I guess because their situation was different the opportunities that they had in their life were different they were almost certainly earning a higher rate of pay than I was all of the inequality in, that I face they haven't experienced so yes they could see that I was someone that worked hard and have worked hard all my life but that doesn't mean that I've still had the same opportunities that they have had, and they just couldn't get their heads around it. Do you think that reflects
0: on on how churches are often, although not always, but actually not only homogenous in terms of race, often, but also in terms of class? Do you think that 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 diversity therefore is lacking in terms of the stories that we're hearing, not just about people's Identity, but actually, people' life in, in a broader sense.
1: Oh, well, yeah, because I think it fits. It fits as well in that sense, in terms of single people in the church. Um, they are also not widely represented in churches. So um, examples that are given in in talks um, as part of church services are often um if you're here and you're married if you're here and you're dating if you're here and you're engaged okay but what if you're here and you're something else so it's 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 the same in that sense in terms of representation in terms of race but also in terms of relationship status
0: and how open have you felt churches are if you have felt discrimination or you've encountered prejudicial attitudes in church or in the church communities you've been part of have you felt like you've been able to report it perhaps in a more formal sense to the leadership but perhaps not even as formal as that have you felt able to discuss it with people have open conversations challenge people not in a way to Criticize them personally, but have you felt like you could have that dialogue? Perhaps, is a way of putting it.
1: I think the example that I gave earlier around the why are you not on the property ladder back then, I didn't challenge it, I just went away feeling really bad about myself and questioning myself. And they went, Ah, hang on a minute, There's, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that they're not aware of, right? Okay, um, so I didn't challenge it then. I think now I would because I've grown in confidence as an individual. Um, And also because things like the Black Lives Matter campaign is happening and this podcast is happening and people are being more open now, so I'd feel safer to to be more open. But if I think back of all the churches that I've ever been part of, there is definitely a difference. If I was to put my current more confident self back into some of those churches, I wouldn't speak up because it would fall on deaf ears. There would be no point. If I felt that way in my current church, I would speak up because I know that it would be heard. I have faith in the leadership that they would hear it and they would support me to do something, to challenge it, basically.
0: What is your ideal church doing? What does it look like? What is it saying on the issue of race? Um, How is it a diverse, inclusive space? What is it you'd hope for?
1: So it's diverse, not just in terms of race, I think. A mixture of single and couples, a mixture of ages and I think that you would see that diversity represented throughout so on the serving teams, in terms of leadership opportunities as well, they would be out in the community as well reaching people from different cultures and different races um, and it would just feel like a really open and inclusive space. That would be my ideal church. Very outward focus.
0: Are there things that are positive or even celebratory in terms of the experiences that you've had around race in church? Are there ways that you have felt celebrated, ways that church have done things well?
1: Yeah, I think just having an awareness of issues relating to race and that's evident in... Um, the intercessions the prayers that are held on a Sunday morning so referencing things that are happening in the news happening in the local wider and international community and bringing those publicly to the the front for prayer and again like in my current church there's real diversity in terms of people who are on the choir people who are on the welcome team um, people who lead prayers people who well we're not having tea and coffee at the moment because of covid but everywhere you look there is diversity in in all its forms so um yeah i think recognizing that this topic needs prayer as well as activism and action
0: i you've you've flagged up previously that churches aren't perfect places and that that's a reflection on the world and um, this year Black Lives Matters and the protests in the US, in the UK, worldwide have rightly refocused attention on race, racism, inequality, oppression but should the church be doing more, be taking a bigger stand? I, I say that again linking to that book that I was mentioning earlier, Ghostship, which really mm-hmm. lays bare some of the real problems with, surrounding race with the Church of England as an institution. It's not surprising Mm -hmm. given the way that those protests um, and those movements have flagged up issues of race, of structural oppression in this country and around the world. Mm -hmm. Should the church be taking a bigger stand? Should the church be doing more?
1: Yeah, I think the church should be taking a stand and it can be doing more. Um, Thinking about Ecclesiastes 3, um, So there is a time for everything under the sun and that part where it references a time to love and a time to hate. And I think um, we're called to love one another. And if some people are being oppressed and being discriminated against and aren't seeing the same opportunities that others are seeing, then we need to do something about that. We're called to do something about that. We're actually called to hate. I believe the the reference to hate there is to hate the oppression and to hate the inequality and the injustice. And I think it starts with our immediate community. So each church is part of a community, like the people who are immediately around the church building in that area and looking outwards, having initiatives that bring the community in. So that could be a and company cafe on a Wednesday afternoon that could be a food bank that could there are lots of different ways that you can bring your communities in and show them uh, God's love and get to know them get to know the oppression that they're facing is it oppression because of their landlord can you bring citizens advice to that community to help them are there other things that you can practically do to help individuals to challenge the oppression that they're facing I think there are real practical opportunities to extend God's love, but also to help challenge oppression and injustice and to lift people up.
0: I've come across this idea that white members of church congregations have had a variety of responses to Black Lives Matter, to issues of race, of racism. And I think that for some people there has been an expression which is something like, oh, I had no idea this was happening. I'm so Mm -hmm. surprised. Classic, I I just don't see race. Mm -hmm. Uh, We treat everyone the same way here. Or why aren't there more BAME people here? Um, You know, it's got to fall on them. How do we find some? How do we get them in? How can we make Mm -hmm. our church more diverse? And there's a variety of responses, but these have have been some of them. Are these things that you have encountered before?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the classic is, I just don't see colour. I mean what what is that that that's just not true like if you if you have sight when you look at an individual you're going to see different characteristics about that individual you're going to see whether they have curly hair straight hair whether they're black white mixed race you you are going to see those things and to say that I don't see color it, it it's not true and also if that wasn't true when I go into shops and I have experienced this the security guard wouldn't follow me I mean he's not following me because he knows that I have an overactive conscience so I've never stolen anything in my life and I don't think I could because I'd be sweating so profusely I wouldn't make it out of the shop he's not following me because he knows that I actually I'm I'm working and I I, I'm fortunate I can pay for things He's, not following, he's following me because of a stereotype. He's looking at me and he's thinking, this person's going to be trouble. Okay, so he's, he's got those preconceived ideas and those stereotypes at work. And we just have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves about our prejudice, about our discriminatory views. Um, and we have to start challenging our se- ourselves first and foremost so that we can then look at the world in line with reality and actually once we've done that and we're aware of our prejudices then we can start to help to change perceptions so yeah i think people just really need to get honest and real about what is and isn't there discrimination exists racism exists and we all hold biases regardless of our our race and and upbringing and we just need to be real about them and challenge them yeah and I think maybe um,
0: there's something around moving away from a binary I think in our society people are very clear that racism is bad not all people but let's say there is a mm-hmm. sense like racism bad and it's not that people are having a problem with saying that racism is bad it's that people I think are struggling to recognise what racism is because there's a sort of like there are some racist people over there and then there's everyone else over here who doesn't see colour um, and who's very accepting. <laughs> um, do we need we need a sort of a, less of a binary? We need to be able to say that because structural racism oppression exists, it does mm-hmm. exist within our churches. Uh, and what you're flagging there is being a need for honesty and actually. I'm not sure if we have those discussions in church because we want to get along, which mm-hmm. is a great goal as well. But we have, they're, they're painful conversations to have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are, yeah. It's necessary to unpick some of those things in our
1: churches. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone is having to get uncomfortable because this topic is now on the table. It's needed to be on the table for a really long time. And I think just because you're uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. It actually probably means you're in the right place, <laughs> and and that is needed in order for change to happen. And have you ever felt
0: before? I think we've touched on this, but have you ever felt that, that the church as you've been part of, the Church of England, has that? Is it a white space? Is that something that you've had to kind of fit into in that in that sense?
1: In some of the churches that I've been part of in the past, yes. Everything from marketing, so the banners, um, leaflets that they might have up, images that they have on their website to market events, there wouldn't be anyone like me um, depicted, as I say, examples that would be given as part of talks. It would all feel very distant from me. Yeah, so I have, I have felt that in some of the churches that I've been part of in the past. I think
0: you've talked about things that can can be done about engaging more with your communities. That do you think those are the next steps that churches need to do? We've also talked about having these discussions. What what might be the next steps within churches to make them not be these white spaces or these spaces owned by the white middle class stereotype of the, the Church of England, say? What's, what's the important things to do next?
1: I guess like for churches to get on board in the conversation. So not every church like yours will be hosting a podcast series that's bringing the, the issue to the forefront. Not every church will be outward focused and looking at diversity within their own community. So an easy place to start is to have a conversation with your congregation to get them to be open and honest in safe spaces that could be home groups or small groups um, about this topic and about the issues that they struggle with and their own perceptions and um, prejudices. Because I think once a conversation has started around that and people feel comfortable and open to have the conversation, then they're going to be more inclined to want to be part of the solution to the problem.
0: A lot of the discussion in general about these things can get quite aggressive, it can get quite ranty. That's mm-hmm. that's people who don't see a problem, that's people who want to change things. Um, we have a WhatsApp group in common where uh, we have lots of yeah. those sen- sentiments. Um, the overwhelming focus can become on what other people are getting wrong I think is 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 um, perhaps natural when we see things around us that we want to respond to. But certainly, when you're talking about your own experiences, is is there a need and a place for this anger? For this tone, is that
1: is that helpful? I think I think people need to be invited to to be respectful in debate. I mean, it's the same kind of issue that happens in this political sphere as well if you think differently to someone else then you're likely to be attacked rather than be able to sit down and have an adult conversation where you you both share your views and then you both get to understand each other's views and differences of opinion there isn't space for just one experience here um whether you Um, see yourself as the most liberal open accepting individual or whether actually because of your own life experiences you are harboring prejudice and you you do actively discriminate against certain groups there's space for both experiences to be talked about and and learning can happen both ways so I understand that debates can get really heated and and anger can kind of boil over Um, but I think in order for people to feel comfortable to start conversations ground rules almost need to be set where respect is going to be the tone of the conversation and openness to difference is going to be the tone of the conversation because without that it's going to the conversation is going to fail you're not going to move forward
0: and also perhaps say for us in those conversations to say what are our privileges what are our blind spots Mm -hmm. Uh, i heard something recently which is uh, deborah francis white who's talking on her guilty feminist podcast and she was Mm -hmm. talking about this idea of what what is your upper body strength and how do you carry it into a room so she talks about why are women frightened when they're out walking at night essentially Mm -hmm. because men historically have bigger upper body strength. And that's what they carry around with them. And that's why Mm -hmm. sometimes if women see a man at night, they they might be frightened or they Mm -hmm. might worry. And so uh, for me, that was a helpful analogy, I suppose, to think, what is the upper body strength you carry into a room and whatever it is, there's the intersections of inequality. You will have some privileges or some situations in that room that you're carrying are your privileges. Mm-hmm. And, and some things that are your blind spots it could mm-hmm. be around race or it could be around something mm-hmm. else and perhaps in those ground rules we want to lay those things out so not just how we interact with people yeah. in a respectful way but actually lay out at the start what is it you what privileges have you had through life and what yeah. things have you not thought about um, yeah,
1: exactly and the blind spot that you talked about earlier is so key because we all have them irrespective of our race and. Um, Upbringing backgrounds, and the only way that we're going to be able to see the blind spot is if we allow ourselves to be exposed to people who are different to us and who have had different experiences to us because otherwise they're going to remain blind, we're not going to know that they're there unless there's someone different around us who can point that out to us.
0: Do you think that sometimes that? focus on what everything what everyone else is doing wrong is a bit of a metaphor for the church in general
1: i guess yeah if you're reflecting and you're surrounded by people who think the same as you and have had similar lived experiences as you then nothing there, there's no room for change <laughs> um yeah i think you can look in a mirror and see yourself but if you look at someone who's got you know different pair of shoes on and has walked a different path to you then you're going to see so much more than if you just look in a mirror. Do you feel seen by the church for your whole self? Again I'd say that that experience has been different depending on the church that I've been in. I've experienced quite a few different churches since um, I left my uh, the church I grew up in at home at the age of 19 so I've been to maybe like five or six different churches moving around the country for work and study and different things um, and in some churches yes 100% I felt that that I've been seen from my whole self and um, people have wanted to get to know me as an individual um, rather than looking and seeing as you know, being guided by stereotypes in other churches I've just felt quite invisible to be honest with you and as we kind of come towards
0: a conclusion for today's podcast we've talked a lot about discussion about ground rules about trying to have these conversations trying to provide space for people to be seen for people to be valued for their life experience to be reflected and valued in our wider society at the moment there's a perspective that we need to bring around these changes politically, personally, peacefully, violently, legally and illegally. There are these different perspectives. Um, I think most, one of the biggest representations of this year is going to be the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests. Mm -hmm. How do you think those dichotomies relate to the church? What does civil disobedience look like in church? What does political engagement look like in church? Um, those perhaps a big questions we could think about one at a time. But yeah, how do you think that those different things translate to the church?
1: I think um, the church has an opportunity to... Basically, lots of people have different um, thoughts. When they think of church, a lot of people can feel like it's outdated it's not for me it's not relevant and it has the opportunity to be relevant it has the opportunity to be in touch with what is happening in its local community in the wider and and national community it has the opportunity to fight for people and to fight for people's rights um and i think it can either concern itself with the people who come through its doors every week or it can concern itself with something bigger and I think it's actually called to concern itself with something bigger. I think C.S. Lewis said didn't he that the church is the one organisation that should exist for people who are not members so yeah I think that we we should hear of um, church leaders be in the Church of England or other church communities and church members really taking a stand against all sort all types of oppression um including racism
0: and does that look like joining black lives matter protests does that look like civil disobedience does that look like political engagement does that look like all of those things do you think
1: i think it looks like joining black lives matter protests i think it looks like um praying about these issues I think it looks like as I've said reaching out to your local community and getting to understand the oppression that your local community members are facing and then helping them uh, to challenge that oppression whether that's like I said before you're holding a food bank or you're holding um, a a cafe and then you invite people like Citizens Advice or um, lawyers on a pro bono basis to help them fight oppression that they're experiencing or whatever that might be I think there are practical things that you can do I think you can pray over these matters I think you can write to your local MPs and petition your local MPs I think you can join peaceful protests and marches Um, there's a whole range of different ways that the church can can be relevant and can show its local community and the wider community that actually it cares it cares about people who are being discriminated against and and people who are experiencing oppression and it's not just going to say that it cares it's going to show that it cares it's going to be practical about that
0: thank you thank you george for being willing to give us your time and to share your experiences and the positives and the things that have been really challenging for you uh, we really appreciate that you've been willing to do that and been willing to share those experiences with us on this podcast Um, so thank you very
1: much thank you for the opportunity and for raising awareness and be doing something practical
0: this podcast was produced and presented by me emily mcgrath The music was created by Scott Holmes, accessed through the Free Music Archive. Thank you to our interviewee, George Smith. You can find us on Twitter at Resonate Bristol and Facebook at Resonate. And please also look out for our recommended reading list for this month. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.